Welcome to the Fire Up Podcast. If you are looking for inspiration and in living out your Catholic faith, or would like some tips and strategies to live the virtue of chastity, or would like help living your vocation to the full, then you've come to the right place. This podcast is born out of our desire to set the whole world on fire with God's love so that every single person would know that they are made for love and happiness. We are your hosts, Simon Carrington. And I'm Madeline Carrington. And we're husband and wife. We're parents to to two gorgeous boys, the co-founders of Fire Up Ministries. And mate, we are on a bold mission to help you experience the love you've always dreamed of. So from wherever you are listening, we welcome you and we are so glad that you have joined us. Uh, Hello, everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm Simon Carrington. I'm the... I'm the host of the Fire Up podcast, and um, it's great to be back with, with with everybody. I'm here today with uh, with a special guest. Um, I, I, I've, I, I've, I've, I've known Mike Greenwell uh, for about. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm 30. I've probably known you. Probably about close to 20 years already. Um, so um, Mike Greenwell is, uh, and I'm, I'll introduce him. As, as as I know as as I know best, um, so um, uh, w- went to school with your sons. Uh, Tom was only th- three three years three years older than me, um, and through sport and things like that. But you also gave a talk at my school about your story, which is what we're going to talk a bit about today here on the podcast. When I was in year twelve, and I remember it had a big a huge impact on me. Um, you're you 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 you're you're, you're happily married. And we'll, we'll we'll probably get into a bit, a bit more of that uh, about your your married married life and your journey. But you've got five children of your own, and you have you have fifteen grandchildren. Um, so, uh, mate, very 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 excited to have you on the Fire Up podcast, and I'm excited for this one. But uh, how 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 you feeling? How you feeling being here? Oh, Simon, it's terrific. Lovely to see you again. It's been a little while, but you know the COVID's had a stand in there, and uh, yes, but it's lovely. To, <laughs> and I thank you very much for you know having me back because I uh, awesome. Yes, if yes. There's any way I can help anyone get up? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm here to do that. And uh, thanks very much for having me. Praise God. Good, good. So look, I mean, you now we've we we've introduced you as as a as a, as a husband and father of five. Um. But uh, this this episode is, or this podcast, really is going to be about, about the importance of, of 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 fighting for your marriage, right? That's what we're gonna we're, we're gonna unpack that, and I think your story um, is 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 going to bless so many people today, but it also has blessed people so much or, or, already. Um, could you just would would you mind just kind of introducing your yourself a little bit? Uh, what what uh, kind of what what you're up to these days? Yep. And then um, could you share a little bit about uh, maybe those 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 early years where things maybe weren't so easy? Sure. <laughs> yeah. No. Not at all. Well, my uh, my story is that um, I had to fight for my marriage. My marriage was uh, has been. A wonderful journey in a sense it hasn't been easy a lot of the time the last many years have been fantastic and uh, it's, it's been for several reasons which we'll go into but the reason I had a problem was because I was a drinker a fairly heavy drinker I uh, also later in a little later on down the track I started taking drugs and things and um, 
So that tends to muck up the marriage. I think um, one, one of the reasons I've said to my wife, why did you marry me when I was the way I was? Mm -hmm. And she said, because I loved you. You know, when I wasn't drinking or drugging and things, I was a good person. The moment I picked up, I changed. Mm. And she hadn't seen that because she hadn't lived with me. But uh, I think I started drinking around about the age of 14 or 15, and it wasn't uh, because I you know, went to the pub or anything. I couldn't. But possibly my dad said to me, well, you know, would you like a drink with dinner and a drink with us? You're getting on to be a man. And in those days, they did that. Today, I don't advise that because, uh, you know, an adolescent trying to drink is not a good thing. They're not ready for it in an early stage, like 14, 15. But anyway, I did. And by the time I got to 18, when I was doing a high school certificate or 17, um, I was, uh, you know, looking forward to having a drink. And I would have a drink when I'm studying, hiding them. And I uh, finished the high school certificate. I got uh, accepted into university things, and I, I didn't really take that course. I uh, was going to do geology and then surveying and various things, but I took a different course because I loved people and I loved real estate. And so I went into real estate. And um, I joined up with a, as a cadet with a company at the age of 18 and the company's offices were in Double Bay and they had some large commercial buildings, one of which was in King's Cross. So I mm -hmm. moved into that building to, to, to look after that and various other buildings and uh, study my real estate. And, of course, King's Cross for a young 18-year-old who had a, a penchant to, uh, to drink probably was the place I, yeah. I should have been. And uh, I endeavoured to, you know, at night went out and I drank at the Golden Nugget initially because that was an exciting place. It was full of, you know, crooks and, and uh, gangsters and things. And uh, one night I was coming home and I had a gun pulled on me and things started to go awry, go awry. And, um, you know, I realised that I wasn't in a very good place. So I started drinking at the Lay Girls, which is a homosexual haunt, and uh, they knew that I wasn't a homosexual, so they left me alone, but it was safe to drink there. And so I maintained my drinking at the Lay, at Lay Girls. But, you know, uh, I was getting myself deeper and deeper into this, this alcohol, and uh, I could see myself getting going out at night, you know, as an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old. Um, looking forward to, to going out drinking before I went out and loading myself up so that when I went out, I was capable of talking to the girls and having a dance and making people laugh and doing the things I wouldn't and couldn't do for myself. It became a total crutch to me. I'd go on the golf course and I'd take beer in my buggy and I wouldn't necessarily drink it because it was a bit of embarrassment if they didn't, weren't drinking the other girls, but it was like a crutch. It was there. It was wow, there wow. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. To, to say, well, Mike, yeah. be all right. If you have a, an attack, you know, a nervous there's grog there, but I, I didn't drink it. But anyway, at the age of nine, 18, 19, I was uh, getting pretty heavy into the, into the drink, and I decided then that, look, this is the time I perhaps should go overseas and get rid of this, you know. But as an alcoholic, and I knew that in those early years that I was an alcoholic and I did have a drinking problem, um, it didn't matter where I went uh, because wherever I went and there was alcohol, alcohol comes in bottles, the ism comes in the person. And as long as I was there and there was alcohol, there was alcoholism. <laughs> and I got myself into trouble. Yeah, yeah. I ended up arriving in London. And where does a young alcoholic go into work, looking for work? To a pub. So I ended up in Piccadilly, in Fort Ace Centre, a big seven-storey pub in the middle of uh, Piccadilly on the top floor. And uh, I worked there for some time, but I uh, got sacked from there for fighting some of the patrons. Uh, because they were pinching the grog over the counter. You push a button over there, it's 
fairly warmly, and they <laughs> these fellows from Morocco, they're all Moroccan boys and pretty tough hombres, and they used to steal the beer when I turned my back and go to the till. So one bloke, I said, if you do that again, I'll job you, and I did. Anyway, I was sacked, but I before I was sacked, they they made sure that the guards took me out because these guys were going to pull me apart, <laughs> and I never went back, fortunately. Um, but I went to France, uh, I went down there, and I worked on the great fields of France. And uh, one of the reasons being was because in the great fields of France, the product is is wine, and we had wine for breakfast, lunch, and tea. Actually, the Australians didn't. There was three Australians, three of us, but I noticed that the the Europeans. Fellas wow. were drinking wine for breakfast. So I immediately became a European, you know, and hopped onto their table. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it, it <laughs> was just a magnet, this grog. I went to Austria and I worked a season in the ski fields of Austrian Zurs in Austria and he said, Anton there. And again, because it was fun loving and, you know, drinking and it was that nightlife and it was, it was great. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but my life wasn't getting any better. Mm. It was tormented by this one problem and it was grog. So I was to leave there, go to South Africa, and then come home because I ran out of money. And uh, when I went got home, I'd finished my studies by this stage, and I moved to a country town and opened up a real estate business at the early age of, I think, I was about 21 or 22. Wow. Yeah. And I was doing reasonably well, but I was very ambitious. I worked five nights a week in an RSL club. I wonder why it was an RSL club I chose first out. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I could drink. And, uh, and I had a lawn mowing business because I had quite a number of uh, – of rent, rent rolls and they were holiday cottages and things i was working in a steel factory three afternoons a week i had a secretary on my desk in my office so if someone came in in this country town because she didn't have a lot of work there she'd bring me up and i'd where i was i'd, I'd race back to the office and, and see them and uh what was the other job can't remember but i had four or five jobs and i was Jeez. i was i was absolutely uh keen on on making as much money as i could and doing what I could and I did and I bought some real estate and things but with all this the grog was still there you know the ism was in me and the alcohol was in the bottle and put them together and I was getting myself into mm, mm. and I thought it was probably because I was lonely and I needed a wife you know and I'd been going out with a girl for some years in Sydney and we broke off and um we broke up and I was going then with a girl who was a lot older than myself 10 years two children and she was putting the pressure on me to get married and I didn't want that. So I wanted to, I thought, well, perhaps I should go back and see my other girl I, I knew before, who was a beautiful girl, a good Christian woman. And uh, one of the reasons we broke up was because I wanted what she had. And I wanted her persona. I wanted what, you know, all the wonderful things she had, but I wasn't prepared to go there. You know, it was all too hard. She was a Catholic. I wasn't. And uh and it was just all too hard. And, in mm -hmm. fact, we got engaged and we I broke the engagement off. And I hadn't said anything to her parents. I just sort of told her that, you know, I was finishing it and, and I went. But in my in a, in, a, in a mood one day, I decided, look, perhaps I really did love this girl and I just adored her and I missed her like mad. And I think I perhaps should see her again. So I rang her up and uh, she said, well, look, before, hello, Michael, you know, how are you? And I said, I'm, I'm well, thank you. And. She said, well, before you can come and see me, I want you to speak to my father. And I went, you're kidding. He was a first-grade rugby league footballer in his time, and I, <laughs> and I was a bit scared of him. <laughs> but I did that. I rang him, and I said, oh, you know, Mr. Kirby, I said, told him who it was, and he started to have a go at me and saying, you know, you were gutless. Why didn't you come and talk? And I said, yes, sir, yes, sir. And everything he said, I just said, yes, sir, yes, sir. 
And then we hung up. And at the end, just before he hung up, he said, now, having said that, Michael, yes, you can go and see her. And I said, thank you very much. And so I immediately rang her back and I said, I spoke to your father. And he said, I can come and see you. And she said, oh, okay. Well, when, when, you, when would you like to come and see me? I said, this afternoon. And I was hundreds of miles south, you know. Um, and she said, oh, okay, all right then. So I jumped in the car and I shot off to Sydney. And I went to the area she was. She worked at Milson's Point, just near mm. the bottom of the Harbour Bridge there. And I went into a pub and bought a bottle of Benin wine and pinched a couple of glasses, I think, and uh, waited out the front for her to come out and <laughs> took her down underneath the Harbour Bridge and put out a, a, a picnic rug. And we sat there with some munchies and um, we had our bottles, bottle of wine. And during the conversation, I just realised then that this was the girl that I wanted to marry. You know, I knew it. Mm -hmm. And I probably knew it all along, but again, the alcoholism had taken me to places where I didn't want to go and I didn't feel as though I could handle it. And I didn't know what her feelings were at the time, but believe it or not, within six weeks, we were married. Oh, my gosh. Which was beautiful. However, uh, the alcohol was still there. I didn't stop drinking. I kept going and um, I was... So, yeah, so she she hadn't really... She didn't really know... I suppose how how much of a problem it was. That's right. At this point, she, she, well, she yeah. she had she'd noticed it, but not as bad as it was. Yeah, or it, right, it was right, right, right. So we moved back down to this to where we were in the country. We had a little place in a, a lovely street. Uh, you know, it was a beautiful area. And she worked for a school down there, and I was uh, had real estate and all the other bits and pieces. And the drinking continued. However. Because of my drinking, I'd let my books go, you know, the, the accounts and things. I had a girl do them, but she was only a young girl and didn't do them very well, and nor did I. And I was visited one day by the Council of Auctioneers and Agents, which are like the tax department. They mm -hmm. come and look at your books. And because mine weren't up to date very well, they said, look, we're going to have to suspend your licence. And it was purely because of my drinking I hadn't got them up to date. You know, I was at night smashed. I wasn't in any mood to do book work. And uh, so I lost my licence to practice my business. And uh, I had to pack up the house, put the, the, my belongings in the back seat of a car with my wife, and and we drove to Sydney and drove back to her father's place, and um, that's where we lived for the next some years. And during that period, I had a couple of jobs. I tried to get work at jobs, and one of them I had was uh, packing snail killer on a production line with with people with mental illnesses. You know, with um, uh, that's the only work I could get at that time. And who should get sacked from that job but me? Not because I had mental illness or anything else, but I was drunk on the job and they they sacked me, you know. <laughs> so I wasn't looking very good and uh, my life was running downhill at a big pace. However, I uh, in, the, in that mood, uh, you know, despite the fact that I wanted what she had and I wasn't prepared to go there, and I loved her dearly, you tend to pull, the alcoholic tends to, 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 to get out of what he's he's find mm, is, is mm. hard and, and what is um is is awkward and uh is a real strain on him is uh he has to offload that guilt and by doing that he pulls people down around him who he loves and in my case it was my wife so i would drag her down um and i would blame her for most things you know she was the reason for my drink not me you know, I was mm. looking for work and I was, I'd look around and where's that white shirt, Dove? From a, I'm going out to get a job. That white shirt, if, if you iron that, oh no, I haven't ironed that, Dove. I will. What do you mean you haven't ironed it? You know, I've got to go get a job today and you haven't ironed my shirt. I forget the fact that I've wet the bed the night before and, you know, and done these mm. dreadful things. And, uh, but she was the reason that, uh, that I'm drinking. 
And and uh, one big shock was when I came home one day and the lights wouldn't weren't on, and I couldn't get any heating. I said, "What happened? What have you done? Did you blow a fuse?" She said, "No, you forgot to pay the bill. That was your job." And that shocked me because I realised then mm. that in fact that was my job. But I'd blamed her on everything else, and the only way I could feel a bit of ease the pain was to offload my guilt. But this one I couldn't, and that shocked me. And I thought then and there that I had to get help. And uh, mm. I sought help through uh, my older brother, actually, who was an alcoholic and he was sober. And I went to an AA meeting one night, and I'll never forget that meeting because I sat in the second row, the third row back, the second seat in, and this is 46 years ago now. And, uh, and I sat there and the, the, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know. I knew I had a drinking problem, but an alcoholic, what's an alcoholic, you know? Mm -hmm. I was 27 years of age at this stage and uh, and my life was totally unmanageable. It was upset. We had I had, had one child or two, two children, I think, at that stage. And um, our marriage was on the rocks. She had, had, had indicated that uh, she had been to a solicitor. I found the mail. I looked at the mail and there was a bill from a solicitor. I asked her what this was for and she said that she had to go and look at her rights, you know, and I thought, this is our marriage. And I couldn't see it going this mm, way. Mm. But unfortunately for those that, uh, you know, you can't play with a marriage. And that shocked me. So I said, I'll, I'll try and get well. I'll try and get sober. But to get sober, you need to do a lot of things. You need to change your life. And uh, in AA, and, uh, and I talk about AA, look, is because there's one principle there. There's 12 principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. But one is came to believe in a power greater than yourself. Well, I had no power. I was agnostic, atheist, call me what you will, but I didn't have a power. I knew that she did, and she would go to Mass every Sunday, and I thought she mm -hmm. was fantastic to do that, but that wasn't for me. And uh, so it was very hard, and I met two priests in Alcoholics Anonymous and a nun who were alcoholics, and I approached mm -hmm. them because I, I wanted to find out more about this Catholic bit. And they were very instrumental in getting me, you know, wow, helping me wow. get sober. It was beautiful. Just an aside to that, one of these priests, I was at uh, not so recently, some some years ago now, but uh, was doing a locum at the local church where I lived up near uh, in Cherrybrook. And I said to my wife, I said, "That's that's Father So and So," and she said it was. And he was the he was the prisoner. He was the uh, minister for police despite the fact he was a priest in New Guinea and he'd come out here and he was filling in right, with the priest right. when he went on holidays. And I heard him talk and I thought, that's him. So at the end of the mass, I went up to the door, the front door where he was. And I said, Father, you probably don't remember me. My mom said, blah, blah, blah. And I, he said, of course I remember you. And he put his arms around me and gave me a big hug. And he said, um, remember the time I came to your place for dinner? I said, I do. And remember this and that. And how are you you're going? I said, I'm fantastic. And um, we talked and talked, and I said, look, these people are waiting to see you, Father. I'll, I'll talk to you. Mm. He said, just before you go, I want you to do one thing. I want you to pray for me. And I said, I'll pray for you, but your prayers are better than mine. You pray for me. He said, I'll do that. Two weeks later, that man was dead. He died of cancer. He didn't say anything to anybody. He was just such a humble, beautiful person. Wow. And these are the people that came into my life, you know, and with things like that touch you, and you realise that uh, there's a lot more power in this world and in in, in the power of, a, of a church and prayer and things than you can wow. imagine wow. and uh 
so I went to this meeting and this uh, chairman called me out that night, the first night, and said, are you there in the third row? Would you like to come out and say something? I didn't have a clue what to say. I got up and I walked out the front and I said, my name's Michael, I'm an alcoholic. And I burst into tears and I went and sat down. And from the back of the room, a woman came and sat next to me and took me by the hand. And she looked at me, she was an old lady, and I thought, who's this lady? And she looked at me and said, Michael, you just keep coming back. You just keep coming back. You can't do this on your own. You keep coming back. Mm. And for two years, I kept coming back every Wednesday night just to sit next to that lady and have her hold my hand and talk to me. Now, I believe that was my guardian angel. And uh, Bev didn't look like an angel. She'd fallen out of a train drunk one day and smashed her face to pieces. No hair on her head because it had burnt off in a bed fire from smoking cigarettes in her bed when she was drunk one night. But she was my angel. She was beautiful. And uh, she kept me on the straight and narrow. Not she kept me. I mean, I probably, I didn't drink and I had no nothing in it. I mean, I, I didn't do any of this. This came from this power that I didn't really know and the kindness yes, and the goodness yes. of people within that room. And so I kept going back. But the one she said to me when I wasn't getting really well and I wasn't feeling the best, and she said, Mike, what have you done in the last two years? Have you changed anything? And I said, no, I haven't. Really? Why? What do you mean? She said, well, there's, there's 12 steps up there on the wall. Have you done any of them? <laughs> no, not really. And she said, well, you've got to do them. There are certain promises in, in these four walls. And he said, you'll get every one of them if you do what they tell you to do. And the steps, if you have a look at them, are rather beautiful. You know, you came to believe in a power. You, uh, you well, I'll, I'll, one day you might might read them, but I'll, I'll go on. And anyway, so I decided then and there that I had to change my life dramatically mm -hmm. and pray to this God as I didn't understand. And I said, but how, Bev, how do I do it? She said, well, Mike, go and find someone who you really look up to, you really admire, you really like, someone with a bit of strength and, you know, and I thought, oh, gee, yeah. Well, there was one fellow I'd heard speak that night who I just, no, the, during that two years that I just thought was the most amazing person because he wasn't the, the, the stereotype goody-goody. Mm -hmm. This man was an ex-boxer, an ex-pug, an ex-fighter. Um, knuckles were broken. He had tats all over his body and up his arms and things. His nose was broken across his face. He'd lost his index finger because he chopped it off in hospital trying to get more morphine one night. And a rough, tough diamond. And I love these type of people. And one of the reasons <laughs> I lived in the cross and experienced the cross was I love those people, you know, despite the fact that they had their other problems. But this man, the moment he opened his mouth, was probably the most spiritual black I've ever heard. It was just beautiful and, and sober and wonderful. Wow. And so I went up to him and I said, Steve, you don't know me, but my name's Michael. And I said, I, I have heard you speak on occasions. And I said, I wonder if I could have a talk to you. And he said, of course, mate. He said, look, I'm going away fishing on the weekend. You want to come with me? I'm going up to Southwest Rocks, two or 300 kilometres up north, you know. And I said, oh, look, I'd love to. So he said, well, meet me in my garage. And he told me where he lived. And he said, there's two other blokes coming. He said, there's a guy from the northern beaches, a surfy, long, blonde-headed fella called uh, Spence. And the other bloke was just re been released from long from um, um, prison, not Long Bay, just here in, um, anyway, around the corner, I can't remember. But he, but he said he was in there for manslaughter. Um, but he got off, he shot a man through a screen door, but it was in self-defence, it was called. Right. So they got him manslaughter, but... He'd come out and these people were alcoholics and desperately looking to get well and 
Um, he knew that if he didn't get well, he was going to go straight back inside. So he wanted to get well. And so I was going away with these three characters. And to me, that was exciting. We hopped in his car and up north we went. And on the second night we were there and I hadn't spoken to Steve and uh, we're doing a bit of fishing on the beach and it was getting on late. And I said, Steve, can we talk? You know, and he said, of course. He said, I've heard your story. He said, um, he did know me actually once he'd heard my story and he said, no, but tell me a bit. And we talked and talked and talked. And he said, well, Mike, he said, um, you know, you've obviously been around a long time, but you've mm. learned nothing. <laughs> you know, he was, a, he was a really straight shooter. And he said, I'd like you to, uh, he said, when, when I got sober, he said, it came to me in a prayer. And I went, you're kidding, you know, prayer. You know, and this was this thing that I was trying to, to, to overcome. I was desperately wanting to pray and wanting to find this God as I didn't understand. But, uh, you know, a mm. prayer at that stage wasn't for me. And uh, he said, and the prayer was that our hearts are made for thee, O Lord, and restless are they until they find their peace in thee. And he looked at me in the eyes and he said, you'll be as restless as you want to be, son, and, uh, until you die, unless you hand your will and your life over to the ear of God as you don't understand. And I said, you're absolutely right. And he said, what I want you to do is to get out there on the road right now, hitchhike back to Sydney and get down on your knees with your wife and pray and ask this God to come into your heart. And I said, but it's 10 o'clock. He said, I said, get out on the road if you want to get sober. <laughs> you know, yeah. there was no beg your pardons. It was get out on the road right now. What about my kit bag and my rod? He said, I'll take that and you'll get it back. He said, go now. So I went out on the road and I put my finger out and it took me a couple of days to get home. I should have waited there and gone home with him because he got back the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but I got back and I rang my wife and they dropped me off at Warunga off the expressway there and uh, she said, what did he say? And I said, he asked me to pray, tell me to pray. And she looked at me and said, thank goodness. And so we both did. Both got down on our knees and prayed and I've been praying ever since. And that was 46 years ago. Wow. Now, I'm not telling you how old I am because I'm really only very young. But... Uh, <laughs> My journey has been like that, and it uh, it's, it's a many, many people's journey, but it's been one of absolute, you know, the last 46 adulation, you know. I mean, I've had my ups and downs, and you, you're not perfect, and you know that, but I've had a, I've got a beautiful family. I've got beautiful friends. I've got faith in my heart. Mm. And one of the reasons we get like this is, you know, and the marriage has worked is because... Um, I've been totally honest with my wife from that day. I made a decision to hand my will and my life over to the care of God, to be totally honest with her, you know, um, show some uh, kindness and thoughtfulness, you know, talk to her about anything, talk to her about all our, all our things, mm, just, yeah. just converse and talk with each other. Um, I don't drink or drug anymore. And I haven't done for all those years. And I, uh, you don't, one of the greatest things is I don't take things for granted anymore. You know, my wife is, I think, is, is the perfect angel and I think she's probably too good for me, but <laughs> I don't take it for granted. Yeah. I thank our Lord every night and every day that I've got the girl I have because she's beautiful. Keep up the humour, you know, laugh and enjoy life, you know, and do that with your wife because uh, marriage is, a, is an institution which is absolutely fabulous and uh, can be taken away in a sniff, you know, just a... It's gone. Mm, mm, mm. And it's one of those things which, which, you know, we really do regret once it's gone. And I nearly lost mine. And um, I today have a few problems. I'm, I'm deaf in one ear and uh, I get down a fair bit. I get quite 
depressed and, and, to, to, and I can't afford to do that because that upsets her and I hate seeing her upset. Um, so one of the things that the two of us do is put a third person into our marriage and that one is our, is our, is our Lord, you know, Amen. and he comes with us all everywhere we go, you know. Um, we, we spend our Sundays at Mass and things like that and... Uh, but all our friends, you know, we just we we stick around fairly close to all those who have got similar like, you know, feelings, disaster, yeah, and thoughts, awesome. and and uh, we we have a good positive marriage. It's not not one hundred percent, but we do what we can. Mm. I've got magnificent grandchildren who I adore, and we look after as much as we can and see as much as we can. And uh, I believe that I'm the richest man in the world today. You know, I really do. I am the richest man in the world, and uh, despite the little problems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Sorry. I turned mine off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, look, mate, you're, yeah, that's um, mate, one, 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 one of the best storytellers I think I've ever, I've ever heard. <laughs> I just, I could, I could just sit here and keep listening. Um, one, one thing that I think I'm, I mean, you, you share, I, I think it's, I mean, you you were clearly sent some very special people by God, right? The priest, the nun, and that guy. You know, um, sorry, I think I said the lady's name wrong. Bev, 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 Bev and yeah. and and Steve. And I mean, I mean, it, it was it, it, it's it's very obvious that you know that it sounds like there was someone who was interceding for you, praying for you, right? I mean, I've I've heard your your you know I've I've heard your side of the story of how. God was leading you, so sending you people who were leading you to the right help, right, through AA and things like that. But I'm really eager to hear what impact, because obviously, you know, you've said that, the, you know, obviously uh, uh, the marriage, it's you and your wife and, you know, one, you know, you, you just said then if I'm down and it upsets her and then that upsets me more. And so really any any sin you know where we have, or 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 anything we're going through, it it impacts our our spouse as well, right? Yep. So at the time when you were still, you know, when you 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 you're 25, 26, 27, when when it was getting to its kind of high point of pain, right? Um, what were things that uh, that she was doing, prayer, or what what were what were some things that you think? your your wife did so powerfully that that helped you as well well or that all that saved your marriage i mean ha, sorry i should word it this way ha, how was she fighting for the marriage from from the other from the other angle well she um you know you're, you're 100 right she was a, a lovely person she had good faith i had nothing um despite the fact i went to a, a church of england school you know my parents were good christian people but that wasn't for me, you know. I was uh, totally on the wrong track, and mm -hmm. uh, but I could see the values. The values were there, yeah, and yeah. I saw them in her. And she, um, I don't know. I just just adored her because of her being, you know, what mm -hmm. she was. And I wanted what she what she had, but I wasn't prepared to go. That it was all too hard. I was quite enjoying some of the times that I was having. <laughs> but I knew that, you know, they weren't doing me much good. And it wasn't until I got so sick that unless I did stop, I was going to die, literally. And then and, and people did. I lost lots of friends, you know, through alcoholism and drugs and stuff. Wow. And um, 
So I just wanted her and I knew that she couldn't do it. I knew it was up to me. I was the only person that could do that. And then, of course, your, your higher power, you know, he was the other mm-hmm, one that mm-hmm. was going to finally do it. But um, I don't know. I just, you know, was, was, was desperate. To, at the end of my day, when I stopped the drink, I was absolutely, totally desperate. I tried everything. I'd done everything. I lived in King's Cross. I, you know, mm-hmm. bit of a scallywag and... Uh, Nothing seemed to work. I wasn't happy. I was a miserable person. And uh, today I can honestly say that I don't regret any of that, though. Because mm. if, it wasn't, if I hadn't experienced that, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Yeah, yeah. I, I love what I've got today. And I love my wife today. And she's still with me. I've got five beautiful children. I've got, how many grandkids have I got? 15, I think. On my own. <laughs> I've got more than that. I can't <laughs> but, you know, they're the blessings yeah. you get. And, yeah. um, it's uh, it's 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 been a great life. I must admit, mm. even though you have your ups and downs, but through adversity, eventually comes good if you're prepared to to work with God. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I do. Um, mm. I'm a regular mass goer, and uh, you know these things are, are said to try, uh, but yeah, it, it comes out. Mm-hmm. I mean, when 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 you were kind of on on your path, I mean, when when you came back from the night with Steve, right? Sorry, I mean it was it was about about two days later, was it, or three that when you when you when you hitchhiked back home? Oh yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And and you said as soon as you you know you 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 rang her and she said um, you know what did he tell you? And you said he he wants me to pray with you, right? Um, like had that been something she'd been praying for a lot, like for your your coming to to know God or anything or no question, yeah. no question. Yeah, she was a good, mm. you know, a, a Christian woman. And, um, yeah, absolutely, she'd been praying for me the whole time. Mm. And probably deep down I might have been praying for myself a little bit too, yeah. even though I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but I um, I, was, uh, I was I was, desperate to get well because I knew mm. that if I continued, I'd lost friends. I'd lost several friends, you know, drank themselves to death. And, uh, yeah. and, I, and I knew that if I continued to do what I was going to do, doing, I was going to die. And uh, and I I loved her. Um, couldn't quite understand why she was the way she was, but mm-hmm. um, for some reason I, I managed to stop, and uh, our marriage immediately changed. You know? wow, and it, and it was given to me through the grace of God. It was no other way. Mm-hmm. There is no other way. Yeah, it was uh, just a beautiful way of you know finding out mm-hmm. a who I was and b and 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 I've lost numerous friends who have continued to drink and they're not with us today. So it's a killer, and I know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I uh, know oh it's a, it's it's a, been a beautiful life, mm. and we're still together. Yeah, we yeah. Have to stay there. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. I think. Um. So I, I was I, I was sharing with you before as well. We 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 already did a podcast even before we started this. We were, <laughs> we were having a good chat before, but um, I was sharing a little bit about how you know I'm. I've I've only been married married five years, right? And um, you know, my wife and I, we we're we're, we're already shocked, right? Even five years in, um, d- just how much you can you you can hurt the other, it, like uh, uh, unknowingly, right? By just by your own weaknesses and your 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 own failures, and you might have just said something one day, you know, you know, in 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 the bad in a bad mood that that. You have no idea how much it can hurt the other person, um, and we've we've really we we've, we're really coming to see 
how valuable, how important it is to to extend mercy, right? To not hold grudges, but you know, to to, to forgive, um, and and move on there. And and we we've and, and we, we've noticed this, but I've I've seen it happen in other marriages too, where when when you've been hurt by by the other person you can you can kind of like you you kind of pull away to 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 try to protect yourself a bit um if there's not the same level of intimacy there that it used to be and when we've hurt the other we deep there's a there's a shame that we feel we 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 might not verb verbally share that because of our pride right We, we don't want to admit when we've when we've stuffed up or we've hurt the other but I think even in my experience that 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 kind of that knowing that you've done wrong um and you know where our ego and it it, it kind of leads you to just kind of back away because you, you don't want to deal with it right um but again I, I can just just in 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 your in your story what what role um again I'm 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 I'm, I'm super interested in how, how what what your wife was doing here because I can I mean you're you're you know the, the man like me but but um what role did uh did 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 mercy play in that time with your wife and um kind of how long did it because I mean it, it's it's great you know you start going to AA and there's no more drinking yeah. right yeah yeah but there's still wounds there, right? Sure, There's still sure. a lot of pain sure. that that has been that you've you know inflicted or whatever. Um, would you do you feel comfortable maybe sharing a little bit about just what what was the what was the journey of healing for your your marriage after that? Even when there was no alcohol. Yep. But I'm, I'm I mean I'm sure it wasn't just a okay we're all happy again, right? So. What what was what was really because there, there's going to be there's, there's couples listening to this now, sure, whose 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 marriage is, is in a tough spot, right? Yeah. Where their husbands really hurt them, or the wife has really hurt them, um, and they don't know how to, they don't know how to heal, they don't know how to move forward, and the only way to peace or love or joy just just seems to be to get out and 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 try and start again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and something you said at the end there was, which I think is really powerful. You said, you know, that the, there there are tough times, but then when you work you work through them. You are faithful. You stick them out, and now you're experiencing more joy than than than, than ever, right? So, what advice would you have for people that are in that place um, where they don't believe it can get better? That they don't believe it's going to ever improve. He's never going to change. She's never going to change. Um, how how real was the struggle of your the healing of your marriage together? Well, it if was, you don't mind me asking, not at all, not at all. It was it was a heck of a struggle because I knew nothing else. You know, I knew one way, and she'd been brought up in, in a different way to, to myself, um, and it was it was very difficult. Mm. I uh, I would question myself, and I knew that what I was doing wasn't right, but I, as I said, I. Did, that's the way I went, and that was the yeah. way I was going to stay. And I would, um, we'd, we'd question each other to a degree, uh, not so much in, you know, blaming each other. It was purely as a, as a more of an academic thing, you know. Mm. Why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, do you don't you believe me? Yes, I believe you. She never ever condemned. She never said you've done this, you've done that. You know, wow. she could see it as a as a 
not a passing fad, but something that it was a it it was there and it was mm. my problem and I had to overcome that. Now how you overcome it is quite simple to to talk about, but not <laughs> yeah. to do. Pain to believe in a power greater than yourself that can restore your sanity. And you come mm. to believe in this power in which we call God, which I call God. And I had to gain some faith. She yeah. had plenty of it. She was a mass goer. She was doing this. She, she had a beautiful faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I didn't, you know, as far as I was concerned, um, you know, I didn't need that. But I was brought to my knees for that very reason, to mm. grab a hold of this thing that I couldn't accept and, and things. And so I had to get so sick. And some people get so sick, yeah. they die and never get there. But I got very sick. and. Um, through that, I came to believe in this power greater than myself, and I choose to call God. And of course, then I believe it was Jesus Christ, and it, you know, I got my faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, having that in your heart and having that in your marriage was the greatest thing that could have ever yeah. happened to anybody yeah. because it can take you, you know, wherever you want to go. Um, in, in death, you know, with you have problems with your family, you have death in your family. There's always someone there who's, who's experienced more, or uh, and and you can talk to this higher power, which we call yeah, God. You know, yeah. it's a wonderful thing, and I just wish more people could get it. And I wish I'd got it earlier. I would have saved myself a lot of angst. <laughs> you know, but uh, but then again, I don't begrudge anything I've given because it's taught me a heck of a lot. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I wouldn't be here today, and I mm. I love alcoholics. I love seeing people get up, you know, and walk again. You know. And I've lived a terrific life. I don't begrudge anything I've done, you know. And I yeah. thank my parents for giving me everything they did because uh, I doubt very much if they blamed themselves or blamed themselves for everything mm. they did because that was my choice. Yeah. I chose yeah. to do these things, you know. And sometimes it was through ha- habits. Sometimes it was through I couldn't control of what I was doing. But whatever it was, I was doing it. And uh, they could say don't do it, but, you know, it was ultimately yeah. my choice. Yeah. And if I did... Well, it's, it's on you, son. But no, I um, I I've got a beautiful wife. I've got a beautiful mm-hmm. family. I've loved a, lived a great life. Hasn't, as you know, hasn't always been that easy. Mm-hmm. But today, I find it it's 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 a great lever to to talk to people about. You know, yeah. the, the world's full of problems, and uh, I've had a few. And uh, this has given me another arm, coming to believe in this power greater than myself, and I choose to call God, you know, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's given me another arm to to, walk, to work on all these things that are happening in the world. Amen. Amen. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very lucky, blessed person. Beautiful. And, and, you know, my two brothers have both stopped drinking. And um, it was in my, my grand, my uncle died in the banks of the Brisbane River as a chronic alcoholic. So there was a lot of alcoholism in their family, and I see it there now. And to be able to get to the stage where you don't have to drink again is, uh, you know, it's it's just a beautiful thing, wonderful thing. Freedom. 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 Yeah. Yeah, good. I mean, there's uh, just, I mean, especially just kind of me me growing up um, in, in, in school, actually, um, I remember coming home one night after my first 16th party in year 10, right? And it was the night that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty soft, right? Like I really, I really loved my mates at school and, um, you know, I used to print out a class list every year and I'd pray for them all every night. 
by by name. Like I really did. I really I loved I loved my I loved school, loved my mates. But I remember coming, I, I remember getting to this party, uh, this 16th party, and um, you know, probably three or four of my best mates walked in and that already been drinking, right? And uh I had no I, I'd never seen a drunk person, had no idea how they'd like behave and and I and and I remember it, it really upset me, you know. I was like, "Gosh, like you know, they're already drinking and this stuff." Um, but it's it's like this, this it's it's so common, right? It's so common now that young people are getting into it, um, and and it's quite sad. But kind of even amidst you know like church going people, you know, we uh, we share drunk stories and mm. things like it's you know like we we seem to forget that there's a sinful aspect involved as well. With, with drunkenness but um when I kind of later when when I look back now and and see how you know young people are getting involved in it so much um what do you think uh, f- firstly is something that you think you think parents could be doing I mean you're now you're you know five children and grandchildren but I mean what are some things that you've tried to pass on or um you know ways of kind of uh, you know, helping this not 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 to become a problem. I know there's there's kind of the viewpoint that uh, you know if you give them a little bit, you know, here and there, that they won't want to go crazy when they're eighteen, or do you just hold out till you know they're eighteen or all those things? But but I mean, I'm sure it goes a bit deeper than that. But but what do you think could be some some helpful advice for parents who have teenage children? Um, you know, who 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 seem excited to start drinking or whatever. Uh, what what's what's some advice you might give them? Well, you can, alcoholism is a disease. It's recognised by the World Health Organisation as such. And um, you you you're basically born an alcoholic, and you know uh, you don't you can grow into it. You can become an alcoholic just for your constant drinking. Your lifestyle choice. Yeah, yeah sure, yeah. sure. And so that. Uh, is is one one thing you try and stop drinking for as long as you can or, or tell your kids look you know don't drink now mm. but if you're going to have a few um i've looked at all my kids watch my kids grow up and watch them drinking and i've been very open with them about what happened in my life mm-hmm. and uh i said you've got part of my genes whether or not you're an alcoholic or not who knows but if you continue to get carry mm-hmm. on the way you're carrying on there's a good chance that you will be so just watch it, son, you know, or watch it. Dark, mm, you know? mm, mm. And uh, you've, you've got to be vigilant with, with drinking. It's, it's, it can be a poison, you know, to yeah, a lot of people. Yeah. To other people, it's just water over the bridge. But to alcoholics, it's poison. And I've lost a number of, a lot of, you know, a number of friends mm-hmm. who have drunk themselves to death and uh, or through accidents drinking and, and killed themselves and accidents and things. But... Uh, so you you basically with your own kids to talk to them, you know, and yeah. watch them and advise them, and you can't do any more. Mm, you know, yeah. uh, it's their choice. It's their yeah. choice. Um, but as I said, my twin brother is an alcoholic. Uh, my older brother, um, uncles, and you know, I see yes. it in our family. I yeah. see it in our family, and uh, whether it's an hereditary thing, who knows? I don't know, but uh, it's it's certainly. Yeah, on one side of our family, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. 
Well, Mike, mate, um, look, the, 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 this is important stuff, and I think it's the, this doesn't just relate to people who might struggle with with, with drinking or anything. I, I think one of the one, one of the big things um, that, that I've, I've always taken away um, when I've heard your story is just I really love how you know even when 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 you fell on your knees and you hit you hit, hit rock bottom. And there was, you know, your 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 your, your, your marriage was in a tough spot. Um, that I think God kept sending the right people to you to help help you keep fighting for your marriage. And um, He certainly blessed you with a lovely wife who kept who who who, who was who was part of the journey in uh, in such a powerful way as well. So, um, mate, uh, th- thanks thanks so much for your for, for your time today. Uh, please keep praying for me and what we're mm-hmm. doing here. And uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be, be praying for you as well and your Thank family. You. God Thanks bless so. you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very you. much. We would like to thank you for joining us for this episode. If you thought that it was helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and, and, and share with a friend. And for more content like this, online videos, special offers, access to exclusive Fire Up events and a Fired Up community, consider joining our Fire Up family. Head to our website and for a monthly gift of your choice, you can help others experience the love they always dreamed of. So um, may God bless you and your family. Now go set the world on fire.